if you're trying to fill time between jobs, it's staying really active in your community and connecting to other filmmakers and building your network so that people know who you are because someone else is going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that job. Maybe you want it. And then they're going to give it to you and it's going to be exciting for you because maybe that's the new job that you're going to take. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. One of the best lessons I learned as a digital nomad is having a reliable and durable hard drive readily available. I can't even describe the stress and anxiety I experienced when I lost contact because it wasn't saved properly or it vanished when I accidentally dropped my hard drive that wasn't rugged or built to travel. Now I use a drive that was built for all terrains, the G-Technology Armor ATD, a portable and durable hard drive that does not only store all of my precious photos and audio recordings, but can also withstand sand, rain, dust, and up to a thousand pounds of pressure and my clumsiness. Want to have the reliability and durability of a hard drive that's designed to protect your precious content wherever adventure takes you? Purchase your own Armor ATD at g-technology.com or Amazon and Best Buy. This week, I'm so excited to speak with Eve Cohen, who is an award-winning cinematographer. Eve travels all over the world filming stories for companies like the United Nations, New Balance, Qualcomm, and so much more. To help other filmmakers, Eve helped to establish a crowdfunding resource called Seed and Spark that helps filmmakers raise money for their projects and stream their finished films directly to their audience. Eve is also a G-Team ambassador, which compromises of the world's most acclaimed and truly inspiring professionals in film, photography, and the music industry. Listen on to find out how to be an impactful cinematographer and a traveling filmmaker with Eve Cohen. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to do this interview today. I'm here with Eve Cohen. Hey, Eve, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you are scouting for locations because as a lot of you know, on this interview, we speak with a lot of digital nomads and location independent entrepreneurs. And Eve has a very interesting story. I know you don't think so, Eve, but you definitely do. Can you tell us a little bit more about (laughs) you and why you live in offbeat life? I work as a cinematographer and I love the flexibility that that brings with like all of the travel, the different kinds of projects that it takes me on and to the different locations. And I've worked in a lot of documentaries and all over the world. Right now I am on a narrative project that is location scouting in Oklahoma City. And I've never been here before, so this is as new as anything is, and very exciting. Does it feel like you're always doing something new in your job description? (laughs) (laughs) Every job that I'm on presents new challenges and new exciting elements as well. I think the challenges sort of lead to the excitement, kind of when you overcome them or you, you know, them in some kind of creative fashion and 
it's always in a new location. And it's funny, it's like you, you end up in a new location with the same problem, or you end up in the same location with a new problem. But either way, something's new and something's something you have to solve. So you have done a lot of things already as a cinematographer, especially as a woman in this field. I'm sure you have done a lot of different things that you really love. And a lot of people who are listening to this are looking at your life and really looking up to you and saying, wow, Eve can do this. I'm sure a lot of us can too, because she has been able to pave that way for us. But how did you get to the point that you are now that you are able to live out your dream pretty much? I mean, did you always have that confidence that you can make this into a lifelong career for yourself? Oh, that's a really hard question because I think when you start out in this industry, working in film and television, it's really difficult and it's really, really hard. And there's a lot of points where you don't think that this is going to be sustainable. And there's this saying or this joke that everybody has to put in their thousand hours. And you basically don't get paid for a thousand hours, the first thousand hours that you work. Um, and I think I just stuck with it. I just really kept, kept going. And there were definitely very low paying jobs at the beginning that kind of grew into being able to be more selective about what it was I was doing. And then finding myself really working well with other directors that were hiring me and then getting to work with them again and then getting to realize that the collaboration that you can find with people is the thing that's going to keep your success going mentally as well as, you know, financially. But having the people that you can work with and you're going to end up in some crazy situations, especially where you might be on the other side of the world. And if you don't have a team of trusted people with you, there's no way you're going to really survive that. And you might actually come out of that never wanting to do this again. And that's, you know, that's sort of the worst, the worst situation. So I feel very, very fortunate that I have gotten to a place where through being selective of who it is I work with and what kind of jobs, you know, the right projects have come my way that I've sort of learned something new on each of them that make me a little bit more confident in the next one. And I'm you know, grateful for every production that I get to be on where I still get to find exciting and new things that challenge me in a way that I know I can bring to the next project. Yeah. You had mentioned that obviously in this industry, in the film and television industry, it's really hard to get into. Now, how do you have the strength to actually choose jobs, right? Because sometimes, especially when in the beginning, you're very desperate to even get something. How do you stop yourself from not just taking anything that comes your way and really fine tuning who you are as an artist and just choosing something that's right for you instead of just trying to get everything. I mean, how do you get that? Because that's really hard to do. (laughs) It's really, it's really hard. And I think the only advice that I could give on that that's really gotten me through a lot of it is deciding what it is you're getting out of this project for yourself. So sometimes you take a job because it's the paycheck. Sometimes you take a job because it's a creative relief from something that you've maybe been really consistently doing something, one kind of style. This is a break from that. So maybe it's a creative reason. Maybe it's going to give you an opportunity to work with a new piece of equipment that you've never used before, but you have to know what you're going to get out of it that isn't just for the job. So if, if, it's a big enough, if it's a big enough job and I really don't like the project, but it's going to pay me enough money, 
that's going to allow me to then take the next job that isn't going to pay me a lot of money, but something I really want to do and like kind of balance those things out. But I think at the beginning when you're saying, oh, how do I decide to take this? If you go through your head and you're like, I'm going to get nothing out of this. I'm not going to work with somebody new. I'm not going to learn something new. I'm not going to be put in a new environment. Um, I'm not even going to be paid what I want to be paid. Then you just say no. And you have to say no because something else is going to come along. And if you're trying to fill time between jobs, it's staying really active in your community and connecting to other filmmakers and building your network so that people know who you are because someone else is going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that job. Maybe you want it. And then they're going to give it to you and it's going to be exciting for you because maybe that's the new job that you're going to take. Do you feel like a lot of times your community and the places and the people that you're with are really easy to come by? I mean, especially the ones who are really supportive because I mean, you talk a lot about network and the community that you surround yourself with. How easy is it to actually get that and form those relationships? At this point, I think there's a film community just about everywhere. And even if you live in a big city or a small town, there is a network of people that are interested in the same things you're interested. They're working in the same world that you're working in. And I live in Los Angeles and the network there is huge. So I have no shortage of film organizations and communities and networking events and, you know, new gear testing environments to immerse myself in. But right now I'm in Oklahoma City and there is a really wonderful film community here also. And I've just come into this town by getting to know people that are here and that work here. Everyone's excited when you're working on a project. So even if you live in a small area, like reach out to the local film commission and find out who the rental houses are. Maybe go there and see if they'll let you try out some gear that might be new for you. I think that there's opportunities almost anywhere. Some are just bigger than others. So talking about the gear that you use, I know as a photographer, it's really hard for me to choose the things that are reliable on the road because you and I are always on the road and a lot of my listeners are always on the road. Which Mm -hmm. types of gears do you usually use as a, you know, for your films and also for photography that you always bring with you everywhere you go? Every project that I work on requires different camera equipment. No project is the same. So I don't actually own any specifically cinematography gear. I don't own cameras or lenses. I work with a lot of rental houses. I kind of see those things as my my paintbrushes. However, the tools that I need to secure those paintbrushes and kind of like protect everything and keep it working, um, I own a lot of accessories. And I always have a very specific monitor with me. I always have a rig that keeps my handheld gear working on my body the way that I need to be able to operate a camera if it's a documentary. I always have my laptop and I always have my hard drives. And those hard drives are going to be the things that store all of my very precious data. So I need those to be very consistent and sort of like surviving all of the elements. And there's there's definitely more trusted ones than others of, you know, what you can use and what you can bring and what can survive the elements. So I like all of my gear to kind of survive the elements and it's all wrapped in that kind of package. <laughs> 
Do you have a specific one that you use for yourself, especially when you're storing certain images or videos? Yeah, so I have, I'll actually have a couple different hard drives with me. And I only use G technology drives. I feel like they're the most they'll just survive everything with me and I put my stuff through the ringer. So for very large files, I have solid state drives. And then for my location scout photos and for clips that I want to maybe share with the director or client, I'll have the Armor ATD. And that's recently proven to be also like holding up just as well as the solid state ones kind of like can, can take all of the elements. And, um, and they're both pretty small, so I don't want to travel with large drives all the time. So I like to keep them in their own little in their own little pouch together. Yeah, the Armor ATD, the portable one, is really great because for myself too, I tend to be very clumsy, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I always like <laughs> try to break everything. I don't try, but I tend to do that. So. <laughs> It's really great because under pressure, it does all of the things you need and you still feel safe, especially for me, who is super clumsy when it comes to her equipment. I broke so many cameras already, so (laughs) it's good. (laughs) It's really good. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, I I don't want to have to worry about like kind of like tossing things around a little bit. I mean, I hate to say that because you never want to talk about tossing gear around, but all the things that I have and that I work with are rugged to the point that like they're going to get thrown in the back of the car and that bag that they're in might knock into something else. And it might not be in the case because at the last minute, there's something to film on the side of the road and we have to chase it down. (laughs) You know, like you never know where things are literally going to get thrown. And I don't mean metaphorically throw it in the back. I mean, literally I have thrown hard drives into the car and they have to be okay. And yeah, that drive is great. It's it's part of the job. And the thing is, it's different when you're traveling for pleasure and it allows you to take time to pack things. Oh, yeah. You have luxury. You've got time. Like, we don't have that. I have to, I have to be able to take a hard drive. Like, maybe it's in the middle of downloading something. Maybe hopefully it's done. But the laptop's <laughs> going to get folded. I'll be in the backseat of a car, maybe perched on top of, like, another case or something. And I just have to close it and then shove it under the seat and hope that the, the laptop in its I have a protective case on it. The laptop in its case and the ATD drive are just going to, you know, rock, knock around down there, but it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing because it really takes a lot of things like under pressure when you're doing all of these different things where when you're constantly on the go, but then what you're putting in there is so crucial to your job. So you can't lose that, you know, you can't come back again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Like once that moment is gone, it's gone. So it's great that you have that and you trust it for your work. So that's always amazing to do, especially in your line of work. It is. And it's also why I kind of never have just one drive because if I only have one of the drives with me when I'm doing some kind of mobile upload or mobile media management situation, I'll try to keep it on the cards as well so that there's always, it's at least in two locations. Ideally, it's on three drives. But like when you're on the go, getting from one place to the next and you have to clear a card, I want to put it onto two drives. I don't want it just onto one of them because in case something does happen, which most likely it doesn't, but you never want it to only be in one place in case there's something that goes down. So yeah, the the precious stuff is very precious when you cannot yeah. go back and recreate a moment, especially in a documentary. It's just yeah. it's impossible. Yeah, 
it's it's not like you can redo it again. It's not a, a shoot, like a film and a movie. It's actually a documentary. So that's so crucial to your work. Now, Eve, you have traveled to so many different places and you've done this for quite some time now. What has been the biggest setback that you've encountered and how did you handle it? Wow. Um, <laughs> ooh, what kind of setback are we talking? Technical setback, location setback, weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, there seems A wild to be animal. so many. <laughs> A wild animal. What, what is the I mean, one that really stands out to you? <laughs> I mean, sometimes there's just a location that you really want to get to to film for a documentary and just you, you can't get there. Like you physically can't get there. It like requires, you know, some kind of travel that production can't afford or there's some kind of block or something that like really is going to make the story happen. And I think the, the hardest things in documentary is when you know there's a crucial part of the story to tell and you're not going to be able to get there to tell it. And there's just no way for access to be possible. Maybe there's some political situation that's going on that's limiting your accessibility. So like the thing, those things are out of my control, right? The biggest setbacks, those are like out of my control setbacks. And then of course there's setbacks where, you know, a battery dies in the middle of a shot that you just needed 30 more seconds on and you happen to be on some camera that didn't show you the record light or something that's like a nightmare. (laughs) But I'm trying to think if there's like, Fortunately, I've never had a scenario. Oh, actually, you know, it's sort of with post a little bit, but it's a a little bit of a nightmare story regarding not having something backed up on a drive, but it's not footage that I shot, it's audio. So it's sort of interesting. I think people forget sometimes how important sound is as well as visuals. And there's always going to be on-camera sound, but we were doing an interview and the audio files for some reason didn't get transferred over to the proper drive. And later, like a month later, when they were going through for the edit, it was just like, where are these files? We can't find these files. And uh, somebody finally figured it out. And what happened was it got copied to a, a desktop computer. And then from the computer, it went to a drive. And then somebody erased from the desktop. Oh. That drive somehow got wiped. Nobody oh. knows why that drive got wiped, but it got wiped and everything went away. So like, that's a setback. That's just, you know, a reason that you don't only have things in one or two places because that was in two places and it both went away. Yeah. That's crazy. And I'm sure everyone's going nuts when that's happening. (laughs) But what's amazing about it is that like there was on camera sound. So at least we have something But at a certain point, I remember during that interview, I sort of look around a lot of the time while I'm working as a a DP on documentaries, and I'm very aware of everything that's happening around me. And on that particular shoot, the sound mixer indicated to me at one point that his feed went out and wanted to make sure that my on-camera audio was working. And we checked, and it was like pretty early on in in the shoot, and we like stopped for a second and I just checked and like made sure the settings were going and they were low, but they were there. So I turned them up and we had like much better audio. And then ultimately that's the audio that we ended up having to use. So it's just kind of like being ready on the fly for things that are going to happen. Cause you never know how important it is for you to make sure that your camera levels are set for the audio mixer. Definitely not even my position, but it's part of being on like the team as a, as a filmmaker. 
Yeah, you kind of have to be the the jack or the jill of all trades when it comes to that and when it comes to equipment. And it's funny because when we as a viewer take a look at a footage that you have created, we don't notice any of that stuff. I mean, obviously we enjoy it, but we don't see the back end, you know, sweat, tears and <laughs> stress that you guys yeah. are going through just to give us like a few seconds of footage, which is really crazy. Yeah, it's so much work. It's so hard. And uh, it's, you know, it's super exciting when there's things that you are proud of and that you feel good about. But, you know, you work just as hard on projects that aren't maybe going to get seen by a lot of people. Like it's, you know, you, you work just as hard on everything and there's only some things that you get extra rewarded with. So you, that's why it's like when you go to find projects, it has to be you have to be able to get something more out of it than the project. And I've been in an unfortunate situation as well for working on projects for a long time that might not actually go anywhere by the end of them. And it just sort of like drifts away and you think about all the hard work you put into something. No one's going to see it. So that's okay because I learned so much on it and I got to do them. But it is much better when somebody else gets to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess you just have to keep thinking about what lessons you've learned from it, right? Instead of always the bad stuff that's if nothing goes the right way in in terms of that. How do you usually go beyond that, right? Especially when you have all of these setbacks, especially in this industry and a creative industry where nothing is really, you know, solid, like you're always kind of living from here to there. And you keep getting setbacks after setbacks, especially in the beginning of your career. How did you keep pushing through and going even when Mm. you're faced with all of that? You know, there has to be something else that you find creative fulfillment in than just the work that you're doing as well. My background is in painting and photography. So I feel like there's elements of being in a location that I'm just inspired by as a photographer, which is just for myself. Like, let's just be clear that no one's ever paid me to really take photographs. Like, (laughs) that's not my job. Um, But I like to do it for myself. And even if you're not going to get something, even if there's a big setback, a major setback from a project that you're on, whether it be a really unfortunate situation with crew that you're not getting along with, or an unfortunate situation with the location where it's just not not an environment that you're comfortable in. What is it that you're getting creative fulfillment out of? Because that's just a job in the end. Like in the end, it's also just your job. So there's, there's other things to get out of it. And a lot of people also that work sort of as these digital nomads all over the place, we can edit as well. So like maybe you shoot something that you edit yourself. That's part of this thing. Maybe you do an extra shot of the sunrise every day and you editing a clip of sunrise stuff together for yourself. You know, something that you can you can kind of get in there while you're on location and not in a way that's trying to sell something else on this one project. Like in no means am I saying that, but we all have reels to put together. We all have footage that we want to show as part of our creative resume. And if you're in a beautiful location where there's a sunrise that, you know, you might never get an opportunity to see and production isn't, doesn't need you to get up mm-hmm. that early. Maybe you get up and shoot the sunrise for yourself. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing you do. 
a lot of times it's really just your passion for what you're doing for your work that keeps you going through the day when it's a really yeah. hard one. And, and that's why it's so important to really enjoy what you're doing, because sometimes that's the only thing that's going to get you out of bed <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. And, and nothing that's, else. that's the thing. That's the thing. Nobody there. We don't probably need any more. You know, there are a lot of other jobs. If you are not happy doing this, there are other things you can definitely do. And there are the people that work in this. It's sort of like we're maybe a little bit crazy because we do put up with so much stuff that I'm like, if I explain it to somebody, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that wasn't a good situation. You know, I've, how many times am I going to go back to a country that I keep getting sick in every time I go? <laughs> so I was like, don't do that. I'm like, but, I, but it can't happen again. I'm like, I oh, know. <laughs> you keep convincing yourself that it's not going to happen. I keep going back. I keep going back. I can't stop it. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You enjoy it. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's exactly, it's all good. And, you know, you're creating something that feels really good. And I think that something I've been very fortunate with in my career is being able to pick projects that towards the end of them, by the time you do get to choose the projects you work on, I really love working on social justice documentaries. And it makes me, it gives me an awareness of the world that I wouldn't have. And it gives me an opportunity to be part of something that feels like you're making a difference in some way. And that's something that is important to me, whatever, whatever the case is, you know, visual media communication is the strongest, is the strongest thing we have out there. And I, I think it's our responsibility as filmmakers to make sure that what we're putting out there is a good thing. And speaking of that, Eve, let's fast forward to 50 years from now, and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. It's so cliche, but I think I would just like to think that I left things a little bit better than how I found them. And that the work that I have done and the projects that I have filmed either helped somebody get through a situation that was emotionally hard or something that they were trying to overcome that maybe inspired them in some way, whether that be a documentary or a narrative project. I think that it's, you just want to be able to look back and say, I did all of this really hard work and it affected people. And somebody's, someone else's life was changed for the better in some way because of something that I did. And that's the great thing about the medium that you're working with is you can create that, right? You could Mm-hmm. Shoot a documentary about something that you really love to go out there and just tell everybody about, and you can make that into something that people will actually want to to get to know, and it'll be noticed. So it's pretty amazing that you're doing that as your career, and it's just going to keep going as you get older, and then you're creating more things, and really allowing all of us to see that, to see your passions and what you want to put out there in the world. Yeah, and I think, uh, I, I hope that that's something that I get to continue doing, you know. I don't think you ever get to a point in this industry where you feel like you have job security. <laughs> like, I don't know, I guess I'm still working. Oh, someone else wants to hire me. Okay, cool, let's go do that. Well, that sounds like a good project. You know, it's like you're freelance. You have no idea, you know. There's sometimes where... I mean, this film that I'm on right now is with the director, the narrative script, and we've worked together a few years ago. He told me about this film years ago. 
And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And if you get excited about a project someone tells you about as if it's going to happen in a month, you're going to be constantly disappointed. (laughs) You kind of always are like, yeah, let's see. Yeah, maybe that'll happen. Sounds good. And you kind of just don't want to get your hopes up too much. And then here I am in Oklahoma and it's happening. Years later. (laughs) Years later, it happened. You never know. I think and you were right when you also talked about how people think that Sometimes we may be crazy with what we're doing with our life and even with our job, because you're right, there is no such thing as security. And then sometimes you're just living moment to moment until you hopefully figure things out for yourself and you create a (laughs) network, you know, but really in the Mm -hmm. beginning and even throughout the whole thing, it's a lot of struggle to really do what you love and what you're really passionate about. And I think that a lot of people just think, oh, I'm going to go into this and it's just going to be great and it's going to be like roses. And, <laughs> yeah, and then you find yeah. out the and hard it's, way. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. And also, there's with it's 2019 and with all of the technology that we have at our fingertips, anybody can be a filmmaker, which is a wonderful thing and a terrifying thing. So there's nothing that really sets you apart from you know, someone who's professionally trained on very high-end equipment to somebody who's only ever filmed things on their phone. And there there are people who tell amazing stories with any kind of device that'll film something. And that doesn't necessarily make them less of a filmmaker, but it makes them a different kind of filmmaker. So it's like, how are you going to come out into the world as a filmmaker and make your mark in some way that feels, that feels different? than what somebody else has already done or feels different than, you know, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say that's different and how are you going to do that? And I don't know, it's got to be, it's, it's hard. And I would say, I mean, it's not all negative, right? So like for a while <laughs> you, you should find a film of some kind of like film adjacent thing that you can do something else that fulfills you creatively, whether that be, like working with the gear or working at a rental house or working for a magazine or working, like getting some kind of like a little bit of your foot in the door in some way with a company that is going to give you a little bit of security, even though maybe you're not going to make a lot of money that you can start to like formulate your creative style so that you have something that feels like you versus like, everything else that's out there. I mean, we're like inundated. We're inundated at this point with (laughs) YouTube content and Instagram videos and all this stuff that I'm like, oh my God, these people. So many, so many people out there want to do this and it's so exciting, but it's really hard. Yeah. It could be really intimidating too, especially if you're somebody who's just starting out with this. And I actually have spoken to a few people who want to get into a creative industry. And one of the most asked questions I get is, how do you keep going and still have your own voice? Or how do you have this idea and not someone not, you know, take it from you? And I always tell them, you have your own voice. No one is ever going to have your voice. So that's the thing that's going to make you stand out. So as long as you find that and find your voice, then it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if your ideas are similar. You yourself as an individual is so different and your ideas are going to be different, even though there may be some similarities for sure. Absolutely. And I think that that shifts as well, depending on the job that you're on. Sometimes you're hired to do the technical job that you know how to do as a filmmaker. Sometimes you're hired because 
it's your voice. Exactly. And sometimes it's like, you know, it's the director's voice that I'm supporting and I can support their voice because I can understand it. And it's about being flexible as well without losing the integrity that you have as your own creative, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, for sure. Because it's, it's all different aspects of it. And I think if you're just starting out, you really have to look at all the different things that goes into that type of career so that you know where you fit in as well. And that's really important. Yeah. And I, for instance, like for, for what I do, I don't do my own projects. I don't have my own ideas of things I want to do. I just get hired to help somebody else with their vision. Mm-hmm. And I'm really good at collaborating and I love it. I love having somebody come to me and tell me the story that they want to tell and get really excited about some of the visuals or maybe there's a sound or a soundtrack or a song that they heard and they just want that behind some of these visuals to try to like more enhance the story. And as the DP, I love being able to take that vision and bring it to life for them. You make their dreams come to life. <laughs> Their ideas come to um, life. <laughs> that is the goal. That is 100% the goal. Make your dreams come true. <laughs> so Eve, what are you currently working on, whether it's your work with film or um, partnerships that you're doing that is really exciting to you? Right now, I am currently on a couple documentaries that are like very like ongoing, long long documentary features. Um, One of them is about the Equal Rights Amendment passing in the United States. Hopefully that will be soon. Um, The other one takes place sort of on the East Coast involving sainthood and Catholicism. And then another one is about sort of the idea of repression in the 50s with the LGBT community and some very famous celebrities that were lesbians that are telling their story for the first time. So there's sort of like the documentary side of things I'm working on. And I'm currently in production or prep right now, production very soon on a narrative feature called Southland with director Josh Caldwell. And that is a hundred page script that we are filming in over like three or four weeks out here in the Midwest. That's where I am right now. And yeah, I mean, as far as there's partnerships, there's projects I've worked on in the past that a couple series of things that they're coming back and they're wanting more. So hopefully those partnerships can continue and that would be great moving ahead. But even though I mentioned all these things that I'm working on, the only days I 100% know I'm working is until the middle of August. And then I don't know what I have next. So like, just to be clear, there's stuff happening. But when I'm going to work, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure something will come up. So, Eve, if somebody's listening to this and they want to do something similar to you, whether it's to become a cinematographer or maybe do an audio for a TV or a movie or whatever it is in the creative space, and they don't have that community to back them up and maybe they don't see anyone that's around them, that can give them that push or they just don't have ideas to go forward, what would be your best advice to them in order to give them a little guidance on how to become successful in this lifestyle? Well, it's going to take a lot of dedication if you don't have the community support around you. But fortunately, there is this thing called the internet and (laughs) has made communities come together all over the world and feel a lot smaller and a lot closer to you than they might physically be. 
So there are amazing film communities online, and I wouldn't know exactly which ones to name because it would be dependent on what your position is. But, you know, there are searchable ways of finding out which ones might be close to you, if there is one, or which ones might just be interesting to you to read about or, you know, start up a movie club in some way. A number of years ago now, I co-founded a company called Feed and Spark, which is a crowdfunding and streaming platform for independent film. And Seed and Spark is actually a wonderful online community for filmmakers. And you can, you know, go to the website and there's tools for filmmakers and there's movies to follow and there's community events and there's lots of things. And it focuses only in independent filmmaking because I think it's also important to realize the separation between what's like studio or Hollywood filmmaking and independent filmmaking, which is, you know, more what you do when you're on your own kind of running around and you don't have the full support necessarily of a studio system to be inside of. So independent filmmaking Mm -hmm. requires almost its own set of tools to learn. And if you're sort of starting up on your own and trying to to make something creative in in an audiovisual format, Seed and Spark is probably a great resource, just a place to start. That is such a great organization. And thank you so much for telling us about that. I'll definitely put up a link for that org on our website. Now, Eve, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? I have a website and I'm very active on social media, on Instagram, and it's Eve Cohen DP. Usually respond to lots of messages and I like kind of connecting to people that way. And on Facebook, all of these things. And, you know, when you're in smaller communities as well, you know, keep keep trying to connect. You just grow your network and grow your network and grow your network as much as you can. And I I sort of use social media for that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Eve, for talking to us today. I really appreciate all the knowledge and the tips that you gave us. And also, I'm going to be putting out a link for all of the resources you gave us, such as the Armor ATD portable hard drive that you had mentioned. I definitely love that hard drive because I need it. Because I, as I told you, it's very fussy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I really and actually the only one that I would actually use because of, of myself. And I'm dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it again, because there's certain things, like I, I will never travel without my hard drives. I will never travel without the SSD and the ATD. And I will never travel without my spinner saddle, which is this like, pouch type thing that you can also use as a camera support, as a tripod, if you want. Like it's just sort of this like foamy, like marsupial looking pouch, but it has <laughs> like an a <alien>. zipper. <laughs> it, it was kind of, I mean, I think it, it, if you look up Cinesaddle, it just looks like this pouch with a strap and it saves me on documentaries all the time. But I also sometimes store my hard drives in it and I carry oh, them around cool. with me like that. And it's great. And they're totally safe in there. And the ATD holds up, even if it's being squished by a camera. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to look at those. And then I'll put a link out for everyone as well, if you are interested in looking at all of those equipments for when you're traveling as well, because those are the best. Thank you, Eve, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun talking to you. And have a good time in the Midwest. Is it nice there right now, your weather? <laughs> well, there are no tornadoes. I think it's, it's just after tornado season and maybe coming into thunderstorm season. But right now, the sky is a bright blue and everything seems great. 
Okay. Well, if there is, I'm sure you can take some good footage. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if there's a storm, I am going to film it. That is what I do. That's going to happen. <laughs> All right, Eve, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great to chat about these things. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Eve Cohen. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com for more killer resources. If you want to learn more about Armor ATD, the durable and dependable hard drive, you can visit g-technology.com for more information. Again, that's g-technology.com for more information. Hey, Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.